0: My name is James.
1: And I'm Marcus Sparks.
0: Welcome back, Marco. Here we are at the end. Mhm. Last episode on Snow Crash Snow We're crash. talking chapters 66 through 71. I thought it was 72. I think I was just seeing the acknowledgments listed as a chapter in my ebook. So, yep, 6 chapters.
1: Wr- wrote down 72 in my thing. Nope. Mm-hmm.
0: And it it just it, it, it we're going like just full nitro speed all the way to the end and then boom it's over
1: whoa these six chapters are like maybe 20 pages
0: yeah yeah it's not very long at all <laughs> um yeah we're in it all I right know. i i know he's he's taken some heat for in his early career for his books ending too quickly he's always claimed that like the books end where they're supposed to end you know but like there is a little bit of a feeling of like all right let's wrap it up you know
1: I am fascinated that the final action sequence doesn't feature our mm-hmm. main character and our secondary character is kind of a witness to it. And that's our main
0: character, like pieces out like two or three chapters to go. Yeah. And not even a like, well, that's the end of his story. It's like, Oh, I guess we just never see that guy again.
1: Yeah, <laughs> There's not even uh, you know, spoiler like, uh, And Hero and Juanita, like, walked off into Mm -hmm. the sunset together. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Or, like, a final, you did good, kid, you know, between, like, Hero Mm -hmm. and YT. All
0: right. Uh, Nonetheless, there is some awesome shit in these six chapters. Like, the action movie climax that this would generate would be truly dope. Yeah. So let's get right into it here with uh, chapter 66. Raven Hero says, let me tell you a story before I kill you. They're in the metaverse, of course. Um, before we get into this whole backstory, what did right. you think about well, this? Let's just follow up with, okay.
1: listen, Raven says, it's a long ride.
0: Yeah. What, what did, did I think you,
1: about this just, action sequence?
0: No, not the not the action sequence, about the like, let's have some backstory about how Hero and Raven's dads knew each other in World War out of, II. Out of
1: fucking nowhere.
0: It really seems like, like if if I was writing this, I would be like, I need to go back and like lay some groundwork in the early chapters about how like more about hero's dad in the army and maybe about some some weird guy he met in the army, you know, was a POW or something like, you know, how he's he's only seen bamboo, heard of bamboos use of spears once before, like something to like. Show that, like, oh, heroes just put together that that guy was Raven's dad. It's just like, hero yeah. just like knows all of a sudden you're like, okay.
1: Yeah, like he's like, like he's Sherlock Holmes did together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I, you know, it's a funny thing. It's like the scene itself is great. Like I can easily visualize it's it. It's a
0: cool, like the backstory is cool. It just seems like you could have laid a little track to get there, you know?
1: I think you can, you could definitely see this is a guy who wants to go write parts of Cryptonomicon
0: sure definitely uh,
1: but yeah I don't know where
0: you're like did you know this the whole time hero like seemingly you just put this together because yeah. you're thinking that you're talking about it now but
1: I mean we've gotten a little bit about Raven's like you know ancestry
0: mm-hmm.
1: nothing bringing you to this point we've heard a little bit about hero's or dad in the army whatever it happens
0: yeah so anyways, uh, all vehicles in the metaverse have voice phones on them. That's convenient. Hero yeah. simply called home to Librarian, had him look up Raven's number. So they're right in lockstep across the black surface of the imaginary planet. Now, Though hero is gaining on Raven meter by meter, even though they're like, what, like half a mile apart or something like that. Yeah. They're just like, let's have a chat.
1: Well, and so yeah, he tells him a story about his dad in World War II. He's captured by the Nipponese and ran into some Elwoods. And it's like, I guess he's just kind of like. I'm just making conversation. If this guy tiptoes closer, we'll just acknowledge, you know, that, or we're just oh, it, we're just it, making the story well, up. Well, he's together. trying
0: to like prove a point, I guess, or something, you know, about how yeah. what happened to your dad was just bad luck, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so so the whole story about this prison camp, where Hero's dad and Raven's dad uh, were were both in, is towards the end of the war. Um, there's a, some alouettes there, and, and like they're going back and forth. Or like Raven will just like start telling his side of, the, of his father's story. You know, Raven will say they're mm-hmm. alouettes American citizens. No one had ever heard of them. Most people don't know that the Japanese conquered American territory during the war. Um, you know, some of them in, inhabited by the Aluicians, uh, my people. They took the two most important alouettes and put them in prison camps in Japan. One of them was a the mayor of a two, the most important civil authority. The other is even more important to us. He was a chief harpooner of the Alawet nation, which of course is his father.
1: So, Hero says the mayor got sick and died. He didn't have any immunities, but the harpooner was one tough son of a bitch. He got he got sick a few times, but he survived. Went out to work in the fields along with the rest of the prisoners, growing food for the war effort. Worked in the kitchen, preparing slop for the prisoners and the guards. He kept to himself a lot. Everyone avoided him because he smelled terrible. His bed stink up the barriers. He was cooking up aconite whale poison from the mushrooms and other substances he found in the fields and secreted in his clothing. Raven says, "Yeah, this is Raven
0: filling us in that he was making poison." (laughs)
1: Yeah, besides, Hero continues, they were pissed at him because he broke out a windowpane at the barracks once and let cold air, air in for the rest of the winter. Anyway, one day after lunch, all the guards became terribly sick. Whale in the fish stew, Raven says. Mm-hmm. It's like, they're just, I don't know. It's like, this has been like this weird, I don't know, thing between them the whole time that we didn't realize that this, they recognize each other's ancestry.
0: Yeah, like, did Raven know the whole time too, you know? It yeah. is very odd. Uh, but anyways. We we basically learned that the Raven's dad was like cooking. I hate that we don't get names for them. It's just like my dad, your dad. Um, yeah, yeah. They've been. He cooked up some whale poison. He broke the window in the barracks to make himself a glass knife. Is what he's doing there. Mm. Um, just amazing the the durability of these glass knives. You know.
1: Yeah. Don't try that at home.
0: Yeah. Um, so it was, it was all to you know make a big escape, and so um, at some point. They were, like, being led somewhere, like, back from the fields or something, and, like, suddenly, like, tur- a hero's dad turns around, there's a guy with a bamboo steer sticking through his body, you know? and came out of nowhere, and he, like, the, the alouette was right behind him. He doesn't know where he went, and all of a sudden, like, it's, like, full-on, like, escape attempt, and the hero says, my father realized he was doomed, because no matter what he said to the guards, they would would have considered him to be a part of the escape attempt. And they would bring a sword and lop his head off. So figuring uh, that he might as well bring down a few of the enemy before they got to him. He took a gun from the first guard that had been hit, jumped down into the cover in irrigation ditch and shot at a, another couple of guards who were coming over to investigate. So he's basically like, well, I'm damned if I do damned if I don't. So I'll try escaping with this guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, the guards didn't have much border security because Japan is an island. But an Aleut on a who, who could make it a kayak could sail his way up, up the coastline of Japan and surf from island to island until so he got back to Aleutians. Um, so in this tale, the two fathers they realized that Hero's dad had no idea what Raven's dad was doing. Um, Hero's dad wanted to run up into the mountains, hoping to live in an isolated pal- uh, place until the war was over. But Raven says that's a stupid idea because Japan's heavily
0: populated. Um, and basically, they they argued. When After they would made their getaway because, you know, one wanted to go to the mountains, one wanted to go to the coast. And that's how they ended up getting caught.
1: Well, yeah, this this exchange. My father didn't even know what a kayak was, said Hero. Mm-hmm. Ignorance is no excuse, Raven says. And Hero says, they're arguing. The same argument we're having now was their downfall.
0: Yeah, so them not understanding each other. Uh, so they got caught. Uh, they didn't have handcuffs, so they both had their hands tied behind their backs with bootlaces. They're made to kneel on the road facing each other. Like, they're just about to get executed, basically. Uh, yeah. so one of the lieutenants there had a samurai sword. Uh, it was an ancient sword from a proud family. That, um, the dude had probably stolen. Um, and so he raised up the sword to cut uh, his dad's head off. And then... There, it, the last
1: thing some of them saw?
0: Yeah. So the, and then, uh, what's the line here? My father saw your father's skeleton kneeling in front of him. That was the last thing he ever saw. So, basically, they're in Nakasagi. You know, mm-hmm. and so the bomb just went off, and uh, Hero's dad was facing away from the blast, and so he was temporarily blinded by the light. Uh, but uh, the other guy was facing the aloe, Raven's Raven said, was facing towards the blast, and so he was blinded.
1: Yeah. So Raven or Hero's dad took on the guards. We hear it was a half blind, one legged samurai with a katana versus a big, strong, healthy man with his arms tied behind his back. Hero says, "A pretty interesting fight, pretty fair one. My father won, and that was the end of the war. <laughs> now, occupation troops got there a couple weeks later. My father went home and kicked around for a while and finally had a kid during the 70s. So did yours.
0: Raven says, M Am, Chica, 1972, my father got nuked twice by you bastards. I understand the depth of your feelings, Hero says, but don't think you don't you think you've had enough revenge? There's no such thing as enough, Raven says. Title. So yeah, that's a good point.
1: Uh <laughs> Yeah. So as they're talking, Hero has gotten his motorcycle closer to Raven's. Swings his katana, but Raven reaches back and blocks it with one of his big knives. Like I feel like he's just like he's known Hero's going to try this.
0: Yeah, yeah. They've, they've all been building up to this fight the whole time. I mean, I, I guess Hero's just like, well, don't you think you've had enough revenge? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. That's kind of his <laughs> old thesis here. Like, come on, Raven, don't be an asshole.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to cut your head off. Yeah. So they keep playing this game where like Raven will slow down and like Hero overshoot him and then have to come after him again. Uh, And then the last paragraph is just, it's an easier game for Raven than Hero. Uh, but that hero's better at this kind of thing than Raven is. That makes it pretty much even match. The Salome down the down They Salome down the monorail track at speeds from 60 to 60,000 miles per hour. All around them, low-slung commercial developments and high-tech labs and amusement parks sprawl off into the darkness. Downtown is before them, as high and bright as the Aurora Borealis, rising from the black water of the Bering Sea.
0: All right. In chapter 67, we're back with White Tea. The first poon smacks into the belly of the chopper. They're coming in low over the valley. This just has like badass action sequence written all over it here. Yeah. Yeah. Um so is realizing uh the like the the code has worked, the couriers have arrived. There are half dozen other poons strike in quick succession. She has to force herself not to lean over and look out the window. And so of course the the chopper's belly is a solid wall of Soviet steel, so it's just easy target for the, the Pooners there hmm so she finally uh, looks out the window the other chopper is like the little aluminum corporate number is flying alongside them and take the it Raven up sasha still, you're picking up some parasites yeah raven's still there he's still goggled in the metaverse yeah. yeah so they tell they tell the chopper pilot he's got to like pull up a little bit um and one of them warns them make sure you don't snag anything the cables are strong and steel that's all y t needs she opens the door and jumps out of the chopper hell yeah uh, at least that's how it looks at people inside. Actually, she grabs a handhold on her way down. So she's kind of like hanging outside the chopper, but like can see inside through the window. And she can she uh, can see Rife like sitting there next to the pilot motioning, like take it down because she realized, uh, this is what she figured, the hostage thing works two ways. She's no good to Rife unless he's got her and she's in one piece. So mm-hmm. if she were to jump out of the, or if she were to die, if she were to fall from like her precarious position and die, then the mafia would just blow the thing out of the sky, presumably, you know? Yeah. They, they'd have no reason not to just kill Rife at that point.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so the helicopter, yeah. Helicopter's right. moving down to the log low. Uh, and she slides away from the handle to the side of the chopper. They try to grab at her and she goes under. Um, eventually she's just hanging and it has like a wire around her belt. Chopper's lower now if YT just hanging 10 or 15 feet over the freeway as the helicopter moves, taking well, her along. She's 25 oh, miles an hour.
0: She's managed to get a hold of one of the poons that was hanging onto it from yeah. the, the couriers and has like slid down onto the end of the poon and is like fucking kick cloud kicking it behind this helicopter. <laughs> like super low to the ground.
1: Uh the rear chopper's coming in, like uh, th- thwacking in dangerously close. She looks up at it. And there's Raven like looking at her through the window. He's pulled the goggles before it just for a second. He's got a certain look on his face. And she realizes that he's not pissed at her at all. He loves her. She lets go of the free hand, <laughs> the handle and goes into free fall. So I think she's uh, uh, uh rejecting his advances.
0: I mean, this is she's- just in in the movie version of this or the TV version, like, doesn't the helicopter have to explode after she lets go? Like it's somehow been like like she she later on she'll do a thing where she throws a cable up into the helicopter blades to like you know screw it up but like wow. if they could somehow combine that with her doing that and then like raven gives her the thumbs up and then she gives him the middle finger drops and like the helicopter explodes above her and she like hits her airbag like all in one big awesome action scene motion
1: yeah, except that some of the people on this helicopter can't die. You'd, you'd have had point. to find a
0: way to get get a Rife off the helicopter first, or whatever you know. But yeah,
1: there's something nice about Raven giving her this moonstruck look, and her just kind of sneering and dropping off this helicopter instead. Uh, I just, yeah, so- I just want people who watch this finale just to be super confused by the facial reactions, get all the hot takes on the line. The next I day. almost
0: like the idea of Raven giving her like a thumbs up after she's destroyed the helicopter, you know, like, cause yeah. he really doesn't care at that point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she lets go and goes into free fall at the same time. She jerks a manual release on her cervical collar and goes into full Michelin man mode. So a bunch of airbags explode all over her body, like, you know, encasing her in this like inflatable cocoon. It's going to protect her as she slams into the, you know, the asphalt going like at least 50 miles an hour probably uh, which is not to say that it doesn't hurt when she lands she feels herself bouncing at least 10 times she skids for a quarter of a mile apparently crumbs off several cars along the way she can hear their tires squealing finally she goes butt first through someone's windshield and ends up sprawled across their front seat they veer into a jersey barrier the airbag, de- airbag deflates as soon as everything starts moving and she claws it away from her face her ears are ringing or something. She can't hear anything. Maybe she busted her eardrums when the airbags went off.
1: See, I think just the image of her finally landing in this car is worth the helicopter not exploding. I guess. I mean, it's 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 actually it's one of my favorite shots or, or moments in the Casino Royale, the the Daniel Craig one. It's after he's like finished that action sequence with like the fire truck and the airplane, and he's just kind of like leaning around, like sweating and like looking around, like. Like, am I alive? Like, is it over? And then the thing explodes. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so chopper's coming lower. It's gained about 20 more poons on it. It lifts up, taking some of the couriers with it, but more more poon onto it, adding their weight. So the chopper tries to rise, but it might as well be tethered to the asphalt now. So it comes back down. Tony's security guard gets out, tells the couriers to get the fuck away from the chopper, which they do, because they're not stupid.
0: Yeah, he pulls an Uzi out and fires a short burst in the air. So the couriers do because Whitey uh, is walking around safe on the pavement. Their mission's accomplished. The code's finished. No reason to hassle these chopper dudes anymore. So they detach their poons, get the fuck out of there. Uh, Tony looks around. He sees YT, She's walking directly towards the chopper. Her sprained body moves awkwardly. Get back in the chopper, you lucky bitch, he, he says. But she picks up a loose harpoon handle there that no one has bothered to reel in. And she, like... Reels it out a little bit, like swings it around and then like throws it right up into the uh, chopper's blades there. Yeah. But she does have the, the cool line. This There was this dude named Ahab that I read about, she says. Uh, he got his poon cable all wrapped up around the thing he was trying to poon. It was a big mistake. She lets the poon fly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the end of the chopper.
0: Yeah. Um, and so, but it doesn't blow up. It just like the guy just has to like shut the rotors down because, you know, it's not going to fly now.
1: Yeah. We get Rife has figured it out a long time ago. He's already running down the middle of the highway with a submachine gun in one hand, looking for a car to come and deer. Above the rare chopper hovers and watches. Rife looks up at it and motions forward with one hand shouting, Go to LAX. Go to LAX.
0: So basically, he he gets to, um, it's like a, is, doesn't he get a, one of the pizza delivery cars, a deliverator? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it makes one last orbit, the rare chopper watching for careers, overwhelming Frank and Tony and the President of the United States. And then El Bob Rive come the Costa pizza delivery car and forces the driver out, which I have to assume is just adding insult to injury to mm-hmm. Uncle Enzo.
0: Yeah, but Raven uh, isn't watching any of this. He's looking out the window at YT and as the chopper finally tilts forward and accelerates into the night, he grins at her and gives her the thumbs up. YT bites her lower lip, lower lip and flips in the bird. With that, the relationship is over, hopefully for all time. And then she gets, uh, borrows a plank from an odd skater and pushes herself across the street to a bind fly and starts trying to call her mom for a ride home. I love that. She's just like, "Well, I'm done."
1: Yeah. Uh, so back in the metaverse. Uh, Jesus, long chapter. I don't want to read all this, but this I have like this
0: entire chapter highlighted. Practically, there's so much in it. Just do it then. Yeah, so Hero loses Raven a few miles outside of downtown, but it doesn't matter by this point. He goes straight to the plaza and starts to orbit the rim of the amphitheater at high speed, a one-man picket fence. Raven makes his approach within a few seconds. Hero breaks out of his orbit and heads straight for him. They come together like a couple of medieval jousters. Hero loses his left arm and Raven drops a leg. Their limbs topple to the ground. Hero drops his katana and uses his remaining arm to draw a one-handed short sword, which is a better match for Raven's long knife anyway. And so they're basically like... Fighting all around the um, the amphitheater, like, downtown. He, he mentions he knows his territory. Like, Raven knows the currents of the Alloetians. You know, it's, like, it's hero's turf. But they never seem to hit each other. It's just, like, they're going too fast. The targets are too small. Eventually, he, Raven realizes that, like, there's no point to this. You know, so he just, like, leaves. hero hero's, like, basically just trying to distract him there.
1: Yeah, they keep hitting, uh, slicing and dicing hundreds of pinstripe avatars who happen to get in the way. Uh oh my God my next notes apparently I either auto corrected this mistake or I was typing too fast I wrote they keep kissing each other, uh they keep missing each other actually, going too fast and targets too small, heroes made Raven spoil for a fight and that's what keeps him in it but eventually Raven remembers his mission and leaves to the amphitheater, um, so and all, on all this though is a couple hundred miles an hour
0: yeah and then just we get another like awesome action sequence here Hero goes over the lip of the amphitheater doing a couple hundred miles an hour and soars out into space in free fall above the heads of a quarter of a million wild, wildly cheering hackers. Uh, they all know Hero. He's the guy with the swords. He's a friend of David's. Uh, in his own personal contribution to the benefit, he's apparently uh, decided to stage a sword fight with some kind of hulking, scary-looking Damon on a motorcycle. Don't touch that dial. It's going to be a hell of a show. So, like, it's like these guys are all watching this, like, benefit concert or whatever, and then just, like, here comes that guy Hero, like, on a motorcycle about to have, like, a sword fight or something.
1: Which like hero's reputation apparently is such that like this is not they're like oh yeah of course this is what hero would do
0: mm-hmm.
1: he would just kind of backflip into this thing and start doing weird sword fighting shit yeah raven tosses the big blue lozenge in the center of the amphitheater it cracks open like an egg and blue energy leaks out the crowd goes
0: wild Fons so is
1: hero now is hero now immune to all of this because he's gotten the Nam Um,
0: well I mean we'll we'll see what happens here it's this light show is like some sort of big like um, like distraction or misdirection. It's it's to get everybody watching until they finally un- unveil the snow crash and like nuke mm. everyone's brains. You know, so it doesn't happen yeah. right away. But yeah, hero would be immune to it. Okay. Um, so basically, the, the the egg has started to do its thing. Um, Raven can't really move around on his feet anymore because he lost a leg, but he can still ride on the bike. And so they're kind of still fighting there. Uh, the hackers are going nuts. Hero knows that the hacker quadrant, the Black Sun, is at this moment emptying itself out. We're all cramming through the exits and ran down the street towards the plaza coming to see Hero's fantastic light show uh, uh sounds swords and sorcery, so they think this is like all heroes doing, you know they' like this crazy yeah. light show that's happening, yeah, um,
1: uh yeah, so Raven pushes hero uh in real life, it would have been a good show because Raven is so strong, but in the metaverse, the avatars have equal strength most of the time, so he Raven pulls his knife out, jabs at hero, hero cuts Raven's knife hand off, and then his other hand as well. The crowd screams in delight it's
0: uh how do i stop this thing hero says beats me i just deliver him raven says do you have any concept of what you just did yeah i realized my lifelong ambition raven says a huge relaxed grin spreading on his face i nuked america hero cuts his head off the crowd of doomed hackers rises to its feet and shrieks Uh, then they all go silent as hero abruptly disappears he has switched over to a small invisible avatar he's hovering in the air now above the shattered remnants of the egg Gravity takes him right down in the center of it. As he falls, he mutters to himself, snow scan. So that's his uh his piece of anti-snow crash software. So just the the imagery of him like killing Raven and then just like diving into the bomb, you know, like like, like saying, saying his own Nam shove, you know.
1: Yeah, ant manning into the bomb. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So if you secretly gone from the stage, the hackers turn attention to the giant construction rising above the egg. All that nonsense—the sword fight had just been a wacky introductory piece. Here is typically offbeat way of getting their attention. The light and sound show is the main attraction. The amphitheater is now filling up rapidly as thousands of hackers pour in
0: from all over the place. Um, so the light show is designed as if latecomers are anticipating. It keeps building to these like false climaxes over and over again, like an expensive fireworks show. Like each one's even better. The way he describes it here it's got it's got everything in it Lenny Reifenstahl films, sculptures of Michelangelo and the fictional inventions of da Vinci made real World War two dogfights like it's just like all this crazy shit scenes of a thousand classic films flowing and merging together into a single vast, complicated story, yeah, but it eventually starts to simplify itself into this like narrow column of light um and there's like a bunch of music carrying this boat. Everyone the show, watches
1: the, religiously,
0: yeah, the pounding bass beat. Uh, deep, threatening ostinato. Calm of light flows up and resolves itself to human forms. Actually, four human forms or uh, female nudes standing shoulder to shoulder. These are your, you know, Ashera cultists here. Uh, they're facing outward. Each of them is carrying a long and slender, something long and slender in their hands, a pair of tubes, a scroll. You know, so it's it's like the original Snow Crash with the, the you know, the the little fairy with the scroll, only you know, like gigantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a third of a million hackers stare up the woman, towering above the stage, As they raise their arms above their heads and unroll the four, four scrolls turning each of them into a flat screen television, the size of a football field. So like showing in every direction, basically from Mm -hmm. the seats in the amphitheater, the screens virtually blot out the sky. They're all that anyone can see. The screens are blank at first, but finally the same image snaps into existence on all four of them once is an image consisting of words. It says, if this were a virus, you would be dead now. Fortunately, it's not. The metaverse is a dangerous place. How's your security? Call Hero Protagonist Security Associates for a free initial consultation. So he he managed to get in there and uh debug the virus.
1: I mean, when this does become an HBO miniseries, hmm. here's your setup for when HBO's like, we gotta have a season two.
0: Well, take a bow, Hero Protagonist. This is the last we'll see of him in the story.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: He he it is his story ends in the metaverse. He goes in and disarms the the you know, virtual nuke there. I I assume that um this wasn't just going to snow crash people. This was like going to kill them somehow. This was like a specially engineered NAMShub mm. that was just going to like annihilate them, like anyone, any hacker who's watching it.
1: Well yeah, I mean it's Rife's final solution against the
0: the demographic he seemed to hate the most. And and Raven assumes that this is like nuking America. It's it's like completely annihilating, you know, their most valuable workforce.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, still lingering is your question from last week. Where is Raven's real-life nuke? Yeah. <laughs> is it back on the Enterprise?
0: So I I, I want to get to that in a little bit. But first, okay. let's catch up with uh, Uncle Enzo. He's having some fucking non-flashbacks.
1: Chapter 69.
0: Yeah, I see. And this is exactly the kind of high-tech nonsense that never, ever worked when we were in, tried it in Vietnam, Uncle Enzo says. So uh, your point is well taken, says Kai, the surveillance man from Inc. Security. Uh, so the technology's come a long way. They're basically like, like talking to him from a radio headset. Like this guy's in a van, like a quarter mile away. They're at LAX, like near like a, a warehouse, basically like A
1: cargo warehouse. Yeah, yeah.
0: They're uh, monitoring the whole airport. They've got three dimensional metaverse display of everything. He, this guy he knows what kind of dog tags uh, that Uncle Enzo nor normally wears and that they're missing. I like that. So that's like. Those are literally his dog tags that uh, here that, that YT has. They're not just like a bunch of pairs of them, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. You're carrying one Kong buck and 85 Kong pence and change in your left pocket. And then you have a straight razor in your other pocket. Looks like a nice one, too.
0: Never understood the importance of good grooming, Uncle Enzo says. Which will come up, yeah. But I do not understand why you're carrying a skateboard. It's a replacement for the one YT lost in front of Ebgok. Uncle Enzo says. It's a long story yeah so So, you see that this mafia don he really cares you know it's a personal touch
1: yeah it's how the mafia works uh one of the mafia lieutenants gives uncle enzo the update the second chapter the rare run sat down about 10 miles from here and picked up right from the pizza delivery car now they're headed that way enzo tells him to go pick up the abandoned pizza delivery car and to give the driver the day off the lieutenant surprised and perhaps disappointed that enzo would concern himself with such a small detail and, so, and then from the book we get, Uncle Enzo has serious doubts about this fellow. He's a blazer person, adept at running the small-time bureaucracy of a Nova Cecilia Franchelet, but lacking the kind of flexibility that, for example, YT has. A classic case of what is wrong with the mafia today. The only reason the lieutenant is even here is because the situation has been changing so rapidly. And, of course, of all the fine men they lost in the Kowloon.
0: Yeah, details matter. you know. So uh, Kai comes over the radio and says, YT has just contacted her mother and asked for a ride. Would you like to hear the conversation? Not unless it's tactical. It has tactical significance, Uncle Lenzo says. Uh, he has been worried about Yt's relationship with her mother <laughs> and was meaning to speak to her about it. Uh, so we kind of get a description of the the layout of the tarmac and whatnot here. Um, the rice jet is on the tarmac. The engines are idling. It's waiting to taxi out on the runway. In the cockpit are a pilot and a co-pilot. Until a half hour ago, they were loyal employees of Rife. Then they sat and watched the windshield, through the windshield as a dozen Rice security drones who were stationed around the hangar variously got their heads blown off, their throats slit, or Elster's plane dropped their weapons and fell to their knees and surrendered. Now the pilot and co-pilot have taken lifelong oaths to the loyalty of loyalty to Uncle Enzo's organization. Uncle Enzo could have just dragged them out and replaced them with his own pilots, but this is way better. If Rife should, somehow, actually make it onto the plane, he'll recognize his own pilots and think that everything is fine. And the fact that the pilots are alone in, there in the cockpit, without any direct mafia supervision, will merely emphasize the great trust that Uncle Enzo has placed in them and the oath that they have taken. It will actually enhance their sense of duty. It will amplify Uncle Enzo's displeasure if they should break their oath. Uh, Uncle Enzo has no doubt about the pilots at all. It's, it's the mafia way, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Uncle Enzo had not expected Y.T. to escape Rife. He had planned a, on a hostage negotiation, perhaps after Rife got back to Houston. Which means Enzo feels an obligation to take out Rife now before he can get back to Houston. This is called for a major realignment and deployment of Mafia folks. Uh,
0: I like this moment, like where like the subtle hint of danger enters the story because we realize that like they're not actually set up for a major confrontation right now. Like all their all their main logistics are elsewhere, and it's really yeah. just Uncle Enzo and a Lieutenant and like a couple other dudes here right now. It's kind it's of like on his, their own.
1: His personal security detail, yeah, mm-hmm. which are not not we were, I guess we we're kind of led to believe not really a a, a tactical team. Mm-hmm. they their security. Yeah. Uh, so Duns and the mafia helicopters and tactical United hastily repotting their, replying their their courses back to Lex. Um, so they shut down the airport. It was easy to do. They just pulled a Lincoln Town cars onto the runways for starters, and they went to control tower and announced in a few minutes they would be going to war. Now, LAX is probably quiet and has been at any point since it was built. I can actually hear the faint crashing of surf on the beach half a mile away. It's almost pleasant here. Weenie roasting weather.
0: Love it. Um, so he's cooperating with Mr. Lee, which means working with Ings security. Um, but, you know, Uncle Ings just has that technological bias. I uh, prefer a good soldier in polished shoes armed with a nine to a hundred of Ings gizmos and portable radar units. Uh, when they came out here, he was expecting a broad open space to confront Rife, but... The environment's actually very cluttered. There's like a dozen corporate jets and helicopters. There's like private hangars. There's like areas are fenced in. There's cars, utility vehicles, a tank farm. Like it's actually he describes it uh, tactically. The area has a lot more in common uh, with a jungle than a desert. Um, and he later amends it to um, it's more like uh, what he call it, a Vietnam. Beach.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Vietnam, where the beach would turn into the jungle quite mm-hmm. quickly.
0: Not I... favorite place.
1: I mean, who are, you, who are you casting as Uncle Enzo?
0: You asked this like four times already on this podcast. I, I give you the same thing Did every you? time, which is I don't know. Yes, but I would have cast Robert Duvall in the past.
1: Right now, I th- Robert Duvall would have been good. Right now, I'm going to maybe Joe Mantegna. I don't know. He's alive still. Is he alive? Are we sure
0: about that? He's, on that, he's way kinda... too old. Uncle Enzo's like in his like, mid-40s, I'm pretty sure. Is he? Yeah, if he was in Vietnam. Uh, this is like early 90s.
1: Uh, yeah, so Enzo's getting some sass from his lieutenant. Uh, Enzo then tells the lieutenant how much he reminds him of his commanding officer in Vietnam, a guy who did not fully comprehend the situation they were they were in over there. It was it was a touch and go for a while, and then Enzo blew the guy's head off.
0: Oh, I mean, come on, don't don't undersell this. Uh, there's this touch and go over there for a while, son. I don't mind telling you that. How did it work out, Uncle Enzo? It worked out fine. You see, one day I took it upon myself to shoot him in the back of the head. <laughs> uh, we do get the, uh, like, this is where the danger starts to come in, where he's, like, saying, like, you know, is everyone in place? And the guy says, yeah. He says, how do you know that? He says, they all checked in a few minutes ago. He says, that means nothing. How about the pizza car? Well, I thought I would do that later, sir. He says, you need to be capable of doing more than one thing at a time. You know, there's nothing interesting happening on the perimeter. Nothing at all. You know, a few maintenance workers. That's it. Like, um, they, you know, they can't, they don't have guns because they, they'd show up on the millimeter wave. Uh-oh, what do we know about millimeter wave and what it doesn't pick up, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Enzo consents that some shit's about to go down. So he starts taking his shoes off and his socks, stuffs the socks into the expensive shoes, takes out a straight razor, slices his pants up to the groin, and bunches up the material all to be more quiet. And then he hears the, uh, Lieutenant crying out that Al is dead.
0: Yeah. This is after getting the Intel, uh, the guy, the Lieutenant says, Hey, you're right about that pizza car. He says, yeah. He's like, it's not there. What do you mean? Not there. Apparently when they sit down to pick up Rife, a man got out of the chopper and climbed into the pizza car and drove it away. Oh shit. Where did he drive it to? We don't know. He only had one spot, spotter, and he's tracking, tracking the chopper. Coming right to them. Yeah, so chapter 70. Um, How was this chapter?
1: Uh, Uncle Enzo leaves his jacket on for now because it's dark and because it's lined of satin so that will it, relatively quiet. And he climbs up on the, the wing of the, one of the planes that his, so his legs cannot be seen by someone crouching on the ground. He hunkers down on the end of the wing, opens his mouth so that he can hear better and listens.
0: Uncle Enzo is like really feeling like his old combat you know, coming, rushing back to him now. He's taking, you know, he's making sure he can hear well. He's taking off his shoes and, like, cutting his pants off, basically, so they won't swish. Well, I, I mean, in a way that ju- he... This would just, like, in a TV show, this would be really weird. It's like, here, one of your heroes realizes they're in danger, so he, like, basically cuts off his pants.
1: Well, like, he's... The way he'd describe it, he's basically turned his pants into, like, an expensive... Like
0: fight shorts.
1: Or, like, a diaper, almost. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but, like... Meanwhile, in a book, though, we're fucking in it, mm-hmm. and we're in it with Uncle Enzo.
0: <laughs> this is
1: our action hero
0: oh, at the this, end of the book. This line here, the only th- Yeah, we won't be seeing hero again. This is our, our big showdown. The only thing you can hear at first is an uneven spattering noise that wasn't there before, like water falling out of a half-open faucet on a bare pavement. I think we both know what that is before we, we find yeah. out. The yeah. um, dude's been uh, pinned to the fuselage of a Learjet with a well, long because-
1: pole. <laughs> He assumes it's a leaking jet fuel and a ploy to blow up the plane. Uh, but yeah, he sneaks around and sees where it's coming from. It's a soldier. Uh, from behind him, Uncle here, And so here's a brief screen that suddenly turns into a sharp, gaseous escalation. He's heard it before. It is a man having a sharp knife drawn across his throat. It is undoubtedly
0: the lieutenant. <laughs> R.A.P. the lieutenant. Yeah. Guy didn't have the stuff, you know. Didn't have uh, uh, what it takes to be a good mafioso lieutenant.
1: Yeah, Enzo doesn't move where his assassin thinks he's on the wing of the plane and goes to meet him. But Enzo is not there, and the assassin is Raven.
0: The so the way he does this little trick where he like pretends to hop up on the jet sledge by like rocking the wing, yeah. Uh, but then instead of actually hopping up, he like goes under the jet, you know, because he knows Raven will like try to to meet him up top, and so he goes underneath. And yeah, of course it's Raven. Uh, I Raven.
1: mean, so I would say the only thing missing from this is for like this. Plane to be on with propellers and basically be the action sequence from from uh, a <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones, yeah, yeah, Raiders, Jones.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. He, he sees it's Raven right where he expected him. Raven is already getting suspicious. He stands up to look over the top of the fuselage and that puts his throat out of reach. So Enzo figures it's better to be conservative and take what you can get, and then take a big gamble and blow it up. So he reaches in, even as Raven is looking down at him and severs Raven's left Achilles tendon. So Raven lost a leg in the Metaverse. And now he has been hobbled IRL. Uh, yeah. As Uncle Enzo turns away to protect himself, something hits him very hard in the chest. Uncle Enzo looks down and is astonished to see a transparent object protruding from the right side of his ribcage. So he just got hit with a, one of Raven's knives.
1: Yeah, Raven's Raven can't move, but Uncle Enzo can. And Raven is throwing his glass knives at him. But he doesn't have the strength, so they're not penetrating Enzo's bulletproof fabric. The he first one glass- did,
0: but the, the second yeah. one didn't, yeah.
1: He's thinking glass knives, or glass knives. No wonder Kai didn't see him on the millimeter wave. <laughs> and then Rife's choppers coming in, and
0: Enzo realizes that he's losing a great deal of blood. Yeah, from the, the wound and then the right side of his chest. So, um, and the, the Raven just like keeps pulling out more knives. I love it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and when the chopper comes in, like Uncle Enzo basically just like keels over, slants full into the pavement because he's losing so much blood. Uh, Across the tarmac, he sees Raven making his way towards the aircraft, limping horrendously, one leg virtually useless. Finally, he hops up on on just like hops on one good leg. And he basically sees like Raven and Rife talk to each other. Rife nods his approval and Raven turns around, his teeth bright and white. He's not grimacing so much as smiling anticipation and begins to hop towards Uncle Enzo, pulling another glass knife out of his jacket. The bastard is carrying a million of those things. So it's basically like Raven just went over to Rife and said, Hey, can I go kill that guy? And Rife said, Yes. (laughs) He's coming Uh, after Enzo and Enzo can't even stand up Without passing out
1: All he's got nearby is a skateboard and an expensive pair of shoes And socks he can't walk so he does the GI crawl Uh, They meet in an open lane between two adjacent jets Enzo's on his belly slumped over on the skateboard Raven is standing supporting himself with one hand on the wing Of the jet the glass knife glittering In his other hand El Enzo is now seeing the world in a dim black and white like a cheap metaverse terminal. This is how his buddies used to subscribe Vietnam right before they succumb to blood loss. Hope you've done your last rights, Raven says because there ain't no time to call a priest. There's no need for one, Uncle Enzo says, and punches the button on the skateboard labeled radix Narrow Cone Tuned Shockwave Projector.
0: This is what <laughs> YT used to blow through the uh the plate glass windows when trying to escape the feds. Yeah. Yeah. So the concussion nearly blows Uncle Enzo's heads off head off. If he survives, he will never hear well again. I like that. Like Uncle Enzo is so obsessed with being able to hear properly for his own protection. This, if he does make it, he's going to be altered forever in that way. You know, uh, I'll wake it up. him up a little bit though. He lifts his head off the board to see Raven standing there. Stunned empty handed a thousand tiny splinters of broken glass raining down out of his jacket. Uh, Uncle Enzo rolls her on his back and weighs a straighter straight razor into the air and says, I prefer steel myself. Would you like a shave? Hell yeah. So, that's I mean we're just going to get an aftermath chapter here and that's it like the book is practically over yeah yeah so Raven I feel like if you get hit with one of those like shockwave cone things your brain is probably at least somewhat fried I don't think you'd really be in a position to fight at that point yeah but I mean and I all think, his knives are disintegrated yeah that, that to me that's the
1: bigger thing it's just the idea that all of his knives are now gone I mean,
0: what are his like internal organs doing he's Raven though so this is this is what I'm wondering like is the reason that we don't get back to Hiro and Juanita because Raven is, dies and then, like, the Enterprise blows up and, like, everyone on the raft is annihilated? That'd be a really dark ending. Could be. Could be. Because presumably that's where the nuke is, right? If,
1: if the bike is there, yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: Is that like the secret ending, like the way like Survivor by Chuck Palahniuk has that secret ending, you know? Uh,
1: it's uh, it's it's a little bit of Shane. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of the ending of Shane, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, uh, you know
1: what? Neil Stevenson, come on this podcast and tell us we're wrong.
0: Yeah. So Rife is like witness it all and understands it clearly enough. He'd love to see how it all comes out, but he's a very busy man. He'd like to get the hell out of there for the rest of Mafia and Ying and Mr. Lee and all those other assholes come after him with their heat-seeking missiles. There's no time to wait for the gimpy raven to hop all the way back. He gives a thumbs up to the pilot and begins climbing the steps on, on his private jet.
1: Yeah, he sees a big orange flame in the distance. Something's coming towards them. like this kind of like almost like tornado esque thing, a black bullet like thing, supported on four legs that are churning too fast to be visible. This is the rat thing. Fido basically flings itself into the jet with Elba's rifle on it and his virus, and it explodes ten feet off the ground.
0: I love the way uh, he describes it, it here. How like. Albald Rife can see this thing coming, so he, like, tries to get off the plane and sees that, like, the rat thing has, like, adjusted its, like, course to intercept him. So he's like, oh, never mind. And then, like, climb back up the plane, tell the pilot to punch it. And the plane's trying to take off, but, like, not nearly fast enough for the rat thing. YT is the only person who can see it happen. Having easily penetrated airport security with her courier pass, she's coasting onto the apron near the cargo terminal. Like, this place must be awesome to skate for her, you know? Like yeah. so much wide open area. Uh, from here, she has an excellent view across half a mile of open runway. She sees it all happen. The plane roars down the runway, hauling its door closed as it goes, shooting pale blue flames out of its engine nozzles, trying to build up speed for takeoff. And Fido chases it down like a dog going after a fat mailman, makes one tremendous leap into the air, and turning himself into a sidewinder missile, flies nose first into the tailpipe of its left engine. Jet explodes 10 feet off the ground, catching Fido and Elbow Rife and his virus all together in its fine, sterilizing flame. How sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just there watching, and she stays for a while to watch the aftermath. There's mafia choppers choppers coming in. Doctors are getting out with their, like, stretchers. It says uh, mafia soldiers scurrying between the private jets, apparently looking for someone. So that's like Raven, right? So I think, I think the actual secret ending here is that Raven gets away.
1: Yeah, in the, in yeah.
0: the, the, the pizza delivery car. Mm-hmm.
1: With well, the mafia caught on his pursuit, hot pursuit of him.
0: Oh, that, or I, I sort of maybe read that as like somehow, like, I don't know, did they, would they have put Uncle Enzo in there? I guess not.
1: Uh, he needs the dock boxes. I guess, I guess uh,
0: he, he probably needs, they have choppers to take him to a hospital rather than
1: a. Yeah, no, this is, mm-hmm. this is Raven getting away. Yeah. Um. Yeah. After a while, it gets boring. So she skates back to the main terminal under her own power mostly, though she manages to poo in a fuel tanker for a while. Mom's waiting for her in her stupid little jelly bean car by the United Baggage Claim, just like they arranged on the phone. YT opens a door, throws her plank into the backseat and climbs in. Home, mom says. Yeah, home seems
0: about right. This is a very like Lord of the Rings ending, I feel like, you know. Like the well I'm back, he said. Yeah. Like YT's like, Well, what a day. <laughs> <laughs> I hope her mom doesn't work for the feds anymore. Yeah, really. I mean, what do they do with the president now?
1: Uh so yeah, how did the president did he survive his encounter with the couriers at the end?
0: I mean, presumably the couriers probably like beat the shit out of him and like took his wallet or something. I don't know. You know? It's
1: like it's like a, it's like an escape from New York
0: kind mm-hmm. of thing. They like take him captive and bring him back to the Vitali Chernobyl concert or something. <laughs> uh uh but yeah, that that's it. That's the story.
1: So the acknowledgments he talks about how this book the initially started as what would have been a graphic novel with an artist named Tony Sheeter would have been a computer generated graphic novel um it's I just, just don't weird. I just don't think the graphic novel could have kept up with the prose
0: I mean I, I can't imagine th- with like you know I don't know late late 80s macintosh being able to do A drawing that would be better than just having somebody draw it with pencil and paper, you know.
1: Yeah, there was there was a couple attempts during this time period to do like these computer generated, Mm -hmm. you know, sequential art pieces that just didn't.
0: I mean, that was back in the day when it's like desktop publishing on Macs. I mean, you could you could draw squares and circles and rectangles and do gradients and you know do little like patterns of you know that would print out on your laser jet, but like it would it would look like i don't know maybe maybe like a tom tomorrow art style might work like a fairly yeah, so straight with rounded the corners
1: they can actually do more detailed art than that there's a there's a batman graphic novel that's done in the style he's talking or like about Mac
0: paint yeah sure
1: i mean and it looks it's very detailed it looks very much like the aesthetic is of the time but my understanding is it took fucking forever mm-hmm. yeah i mean just put your hand to the paper and you're gonna you're gonna produce something better but you know, as he proves with words instead of pictures. Yeah, he uh,
0: says he probably spent longer, uh, like, trying to write code than actually writing the book, and it was all for naught. and just became a book.
1: Yeah, a hell of a book.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, well, um, I mean, final thoughts. I, I really enjoy this book. It definitely, I, I wonder, I don't know if he's talked about it recently, like, if he could go back and, like, do the So Crash Special Edition, like, what would he tweak? Or if he's just like, I'm done, leave me alone, you know?
1: Yeah, I'd I'd love to hear him dive into the Neil Stevenson twenty twenty two take on this book. And and just, you know, I I'm, I'm sure he would never go into it, but like what happens five minutes after the end of this book?
0: Yeah, yeah. What happens the next day is a, a very interesting question here. Yeah. Does the bomb explode? You know, like I mean I guess the mafia knows he has the bomb. So they'd be trying to just incapacitate him, but
1: yeah i mean, you I mean think what happens so? i
0: mean it's like they heroes sort of saved the day by stopping the like snow crash bomb and they you know stopped Rai from getting away and they rescued y t and and raven let's assume even that Raven is somehow subdued without killing him there's still i don't know how many how many like hundreds of thousands maybe millions of people are on the raft about to hit the california shore like right. that's not stopping that's still like a a huge you know, wave of humanity that's going to have to be accounted for, and like, you know, life will change one way or the other.
1: All that biomass. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. oh, and like, who's responsible for
0: dealing with that? Because the government's a pale image of its former self. Yeah. now they might have lost a president. I mean, could Juanita help out with her, like, you know, new digital nam that she can do or something? I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, if they start a relationship, like a real relationship, hero's now dating a cult leader. Mm hmm. Um I mean it would be a shame to Could kill she, Hero like
0: off. secretly program him to like be better in bed, you know, just like whisper in his ear like the right Nam Shub.
1: I mean, do you think that's necessary? I guess I don't know. It's it's nice that I, mean, Hero, I the only Juanita would know. <laughs> it's nice though that's one of the few things that Hero doesn't like boast about. Sure, yeah. Um but yeah, it'd be a shame to kill Hero off in a secret ending after he's just set up this kind of perfect like Imagine all the future adventures of like like hero protagonist security services or whatever.
0: It just makes me think there's like an old programmer joke where it's like a guy saying like, make me a sandwich. And the girl says no. And he says, pseudo, make me a sandwich. And so she does. That's like a pseudo is like your super user command. You know, Mm. it's like Juanita could basically do that now.
1: Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: (sighs) I mean, if you were to make this a new TV show, do you end it exactly the same way? Do you? Do you, do you have to put some sort of let's check back in with Hero and Juanita, like walking away from the raft or I don't know, you know, I, I like the Hollywood ending it would be like they're somehow like helping the refugees land safely or something uh, on the coast. Well,
1: the sad thing is the irresponsible part of me is, is that while that's important, that would be a good responsible scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I really just want one more scene with Hero and YT.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, I don't know. Cause again, like was that, that was the thing that like uh, the Veronica Mars, you know, fourth season that people got upset about. My thing was never about like like Veronica and Logan. It was like Keith and Veronica were always the relationship that mattered to me. I just wanted to, that, that to be the core. So yeah, I I I know we've talked about how every Do episode like of the time podcast jump,
0: ninety days later, they're like meeting in the uh the metaverse. You can ask about her mom. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of it's like very cheesy stuff that you could yeah. you could totally see them doing. It's like, do you need to do that just for the sake of making it accessible to people?
1: Like Vitaly Chernobyl's doing a, a mm-hmm. co-headlining concert with Hero,
0: the, like his, that Japanese rapper. It's it's like yeah, Sushi K, like his his hard work promoting is like finally coming due. You know. Well, I mean, is it is it to like, into it, a major label?
1: Is it like a, a a scene in the Black Sun where like they're talking at the bar, but like. Every other main character is just like walking around somewhere in the background. <laughs> I mean, it's it's super cheesy, but like I don't know, I and love the, it.
0: And it's like Ready Player One. There's like ninja turtles and like battletoads there too. Sure, yeah. All right, that's that's a step too far. <laughs> <Chun-Bi>. but, uh,
1: <laughs> but like I we've talked about how like every episode of the podcast just feels like it'd be the episode of the show. I kind of think you have to tack this one onto the end of the previous one. This on its own would be just a weird. Oh no!
0: This would just have to be like a five-minute scene at the end of the yeah. episode. Yeah, you know, EQ couldn't do a whole another episode.
1: <laughs> if you turn on the last fifty-five-minute episode of this show and it's just this.
0: Uh, all right. So we will be doing um, the Diamond Age next. We'll probably take a little break before we get to that. Um, before we do that, though, you know, our apertif here, our little dessert. What do you want to do? I want to pick some other cyberpunkish piece of culture to
1: ingest. We have a couple of options there. We have some cyber cult, cyberpunkish thing. There's, I haven't watched any of it. We could do like an episode or two of The Peripheral.
0: I watched the first episode.
1: Was it good? Uh, it's
0: okay, I guess. I don't know. It's like it's a weird thing where it's it, it, you know it's very ready player one ish and that like there's mm. this peripheral thing you put on and it's like you're inside the game or whatever but i think it's like it's actually just transporting them into robot bodies in the future is what's really going on but uh oh, um, oh. the present day or you know like in the show is it's i think it's like 2030 ish and mm. our, our lead character clay moretz like lives in the middle i can't remember where exactly it's like in in shit kicker central and like the mid south or something like that and it's like a rural area where she's like this like elite gamer like she's like a legendary gamer but she like lives in this super small town and like helps out at like a 3D printing place or something and there's like these local asshole like meth dealer lords you know who she's gonna have problems with I don't know it's very strange that they went with like the rural setting for this like you know dystopian future story
1: mm hmm um yeah i mean there's there's always some cyberpunk movie we could find chloe moretz 15 years ago maybe a good yt wouldn't she have been like
0: nine then or something i don't know how old she is but um
1: chloe moretz
0: like the seven years ago era chloe moretz? yeah
1: i mean i've always liked chloe moretz
0: um no she she i could an, i could potentially see it yeah
1: another another actor who's just never had the material that's worthy of her
0: mm-hmm I mean, uh, she's, she's fine, in the show. I've only watched the one episode. I, I've heard the second one's decent, so I may catch up eventually. Okay. Um, I mean, it's fine. It's, if you like, I would say, if you like sci fi, like high concept shows, you're going to get what you're looking for there.
1: Yeah. I mean, and maybe, maybe a mini episode about maybe one of the short stories that's kind of uh, resonant what to about this. this. Like
0: this cyberpunk TV show, there's 10 episodes. I don't think we'd want to watch all 10, but
1: what is the cyberpunk TV show?
0: It's um, it's based on the same property as the video game. Is this like a? It's like, like an animated thing? show. Yeah, it's it's a Netflix show. So I've I've seen it get very good reviews. So I don't know.
1: I, <laughs> in in googling this, I was, re- was recalling that I I did watch the first season of Altered Carbon. Yeesh. Ooh,
0: I watched I think two episodes of that show. Yeesh. I was fine. But uh, who's is it? Is it James? What's the guy's last name? The um, Joel Joel Kinnaman? No, no, no. The oh, 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 the, the guy, from, guy. Rome. The guy yeah, from Rome.
1: That yeah, that dude just
0: like confidently hanging dog in the second episode. Yeah, good job, sir. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I my vote will be for to like watch two episodes of the cyberpunk show unless you want to do something else.
1: Um, uh, well, folks, stay tuned to find out what we decide.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll be back in a week or two for that, and then. Maybe I don't know. December starts uh, uh, the Diamond Age.
1: Yeah, I mean, Brush I don't know. Brush up on our
0: uh, vocabulary before we get to that one.
1: Oh Jesus! Well, every every episode we'll have <laughs> vocab corner. And also, I want to. I don't know. We might have to just because that that book. We might have to adopt a slower style of treading through it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll have to figure it out how we want to break it up. I'm trying to. I think it has chapters. Some of his books just like stop having chapters. Like I want to say the Baroque cycle will just like have these random breaks here and there. Yeah. And like not like normal chapters, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, But hope you all enjoyed us covering Snow Crash. Uh, If you'd like to support the pod, you can rate and review us on iTunes. If you're interested in our work and uh, kind of what we get up to in our own writing, uh, we have three books out. Uh, It's not at all Snow Crash-ish or Stevenson-esque. It's a girl detective mystery series. Uh, you can go to my name is to learn all about those books. They're kind of fun high school mysteries, much more Veronica Mars and then snow crash for sure. And Absolutely. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks to talk about some sort of cyberpunk culture experience. Yeah. Until then, have a good
1: one. See you then folks. Bye.